Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of the Movie Multiverse Podcast. I'm your host, Gabriel Chartier, joined as always by my co-host, Stephen Verville. How are you today, Stephen? Doing great, man. It's been a good two weeks of Spider-Man content. We got Marvel Spider-Man for PlayStation getting its trailer, release date, collector's edition, all that stuff announced. And then we got Across the Spider-Verse. So it's for, if you're a Spider-Man fan, it's been an amazing half a month. <laughs> How about you? How are you doing? Been doing all right, man. Been doing all right. Can't complain. Yeah, like you said, busy time for uh, Spider-Man fans. And uh, I think we are all eating quite well right now. Feasting. Quite well. Yeah. When is the uh, when's the game coming out? Is it later this year? Yeah, it is. I believe October twentieth release date. It's the third game in the series. The first one came out in twenty eighteen, same year as Into the Spider Verse. So okay, yeah, it's history repeating itself. <laughs> so it's the same. It's the same like universe as the Miles Morales game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Spider Man Two is going to be you're playing as both Peter and Miles back and forth. You can alternate. Oh, that's pretty. That's yeah. pretty cool. And since they have different powers, well, t- Miles has different powers. Yes, yes. Peter has better technology. So it makes it so both characters are fun to play. And in this one, Peter will have the symbiote. So it's going to uh, layer. Like this is this is definitely like my early game of the year, uh, like, you know, choice. But also we've already gotten, I think, three or four game of the year candidates and it's only June. So we'll see. It's going to be a good year for that. But uh, I'm dying for this game. That's awesome. Now, uh, I'm going to ask you, I don't know if you know the answer, but I definitely don't know the answer. Um, do you know if Miles has ever at any point had the symbiote in the comics? I'm going to say no, but that's off the top of my head. Actually, okay. yes, he, he did actually, but it was um, not in the main timeline. He uh, It was a Carnage symbiote. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I'm fairly certain it was a it was a Carnage comic book series. It was or like a Venomized comic book series. I've actually got a figure of it on my on my Venom shelf. That's the only reason I thought about it. I looked back as soon as you asked me to look at the shelf. I, like, <laughs> I, I genuinely don't know. And I, I was just curious to see if that I don't was think like a ever potential storyline they could ever do. But yeah, they could. I would. I would even be cool if they did it as an original story like don't oh, for sure but i don't think he's had the venom symbiote uh that's just okay. I guess. i'm not an expert so that i'm probably wrong on but you know based off my knowledge i don't think so okay okay cool well i hope they do it though you gave it you brought up a good idea i would no i think it would be a really cool idea yeah interesting anyways let's uh let's get into the news for the week shall we yeah for sure all right so first one i have here is uh the witcher season three dropped their part one trailer what were your thoughts on that? Man, what a trailer. Um, it nailed what I wanted it to nail because in season two, I, I was really missing the, uh, well, not missing, but I was longing for more of Yennefer and Geralt together. And it yeah. looks like Geralt, Yennefer, and Ciri are going to be together a lot in this season, which is what you want because uh, you want to form a bond between the three of them, which eventually becomes, you know, like the, the, the heart and soul of the franchise. Uh, and you know, I think this looks great. Like the monsters look good. Um, the action looks like it's going to be incredible. Like there was a slow motion shot in the trailer where where Geralt's cutting off a guy's head, and it, it was just so brutal. I was like, this is going to be so good. Yeah, I have nothing, no complaints uh, about it thus far. I didn't know it was only part one either. So like, I thought this was going to be the whole season. So yeah, like, I'm assuming they're going to come out with another trailer that's probably spoilery for part one, like after yeah. part one releases. So. Like dealing with like stakes and like circumstance, like oh you killed this guy in the first part, you know yeah. what's you're right. I didn't think of it that way. Uh, for you, how did you like it? Did it make you more excited or? Yeah, like you just said, like they're the three main characters, right? So, so it's like 
seeing them together and being more of like a family will obviously be exciting. Um, and seeing Siri continue to train, continue to get better in both the fighting and the magic side of things will obviously be cool. Um, and I don't know. It just, like you said, like the monsters look really good and, I don't know. I'm I'm not really like I don't know much of the lore behind The Witcher, but like I've enjoyed the first two seasons. Uh, I would say season two more than season one. Because, I, I agree with that. because season one was a little bit more like spread out and choppy. Yeah, it was a little more choppy. Exactly. It was short stories. They were bottle episodes, eh? Like and yeah, it worked for the first season because you're getting to know these characters. Like you wanted to get to know Jaskier, you wanted to get to know Geralt, you wanted to get to know Yennefer, whatever. But now mm-hmm. you know these characters. I want to see their stories intertwined. Yeah. And, I, and I was I was so confused to be honest with you, like in season, season one, yeah, because a lot it, of people were. It took me like four episodes to realize, shit, all these things are happening in different timelines. And some of the episodes have, like, say episode like episode one might have happened after episode four. Yeah, they really messed that up. They explained it better in the Last Wish, which is the first Witcher book. Uh, okay, which is also a compilation of short stories. Uh, but no, this, this upcoming season looks like it's going to be continuing the season two formula. And okay. I think it's going to be even better because at some points you also see Jaskier, who is probably like the fourth main character. You see him with Geralt as well. Uh, so that's what I'm looking forward to. Also, the wild hunt looks amazing. Uh, they're the uh, the horsemen that look like spirits. Yeah. And that other world. Yeah. They looked amazing. Like, or other dimension, I guess. Yeah. It, it, it's another dimension. Yeah. Okay. And, and the CGI looks amazing. And that's, that's pivotal to the story. So, uh. I'm excited. Like a lot of people are like not excited because oh, you killed the Witcher. Like we won't be watching. Da, 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 da. I don't give a fuck. This looks amazing. Uh, <laughs> Henry looks like he's you know still killing it as always. Like yeah. I, lo- I love his Geralt voice. He he. It's like a mix of like hit like a softness, but it's like also just so like brutish and oh, like yeah. it's very Geralt. Like he, you could tell he loves the character and he's like actually looked into the games because he he really encapsulates that character well. Fuck. No, I didn't say that correctly. <laughs> but but <laughs> everyone, everyone who watches the show know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> of course. We all know that. Oh, uh, God. Anyways, yeah, lo- looks really good and uh, obviously excited to uh, we'll watch it watching. at the end of this month. And uh, we'll definitely have a review on uh, part one whenever that comes out. Uh, after that comes out, I'll say. Yeah. Um, and uh, next one I have here, uh, I guess the producers behind Across the Spider-Verse have confirmed that beyond the Spider-Verse will be the end of the Miles Spider-Verse films. So like there, there won't be a fourth one. It's going to be a, a trilogy and that's it. Like there's definitely other ways to continue Miles story elsewhere, but for this story, it's going to end like that. Thoughts on yeah. that? I actually think that's a good thing. Uh, I think there is a very good chance that this becomes a perfect trilogy. So, and I don't want to get too much and, ruin what could have been the best of the best you know because say they did four five six of them maybe the fourth fifth six whatever one wasn't as good and that leaves Mm -hmm. a stain right but if you have just three perfect movies people are always going to look at it like wow perfect story yeah so for me i'm happy with that now i do want to not emphasize but you know it's the end of miles of spider-verse films doesn't mean that we're done with the spider-verse films in general No, for sure. It might just be Miles might not be the main character anymore, which is perfectly fine. Uh, there's lots of good Spider people in the in the Spider Verse uh, that we could look at and have as main characters. But like, I can't deny that I, I've been absolutely loving Miles as the protagonist. So if they wanted to do more, that's fine. But I, I think they're making the right decision here. 
How, how do you feel? Do you think that they uh, you'd want more or do you think three is the perfect amount? No, I, I, I completely echo what you what you've just said. Like if this film beyond the Spider-Verse is just as good, if not better, like if it's if it's even like a, a tad below into or across, it's the best trilogy probably ever. It's in that conversation. Oh, it's, like, it's so good. And what happens technically when you're when you're going for like a let's say you you want to do a second trilogy or whatever and marvel is going through this right now when you build up to something and end it with let's say beyond the spider-verse here it's because it's going to cap off the trilogy if you were to continue that people always struggle with the you got to build it back up phase right people always struggle with that phase of a continuation so it's going to be hard to it would be hard to do, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and people would not hold it probably in the same breath as like those great trilogies anymore. If if you were to try to do a fourth one. Uh, now, absolutely. like they might be able to pull it off. It's I'm just saying like it's very difficult to do it. And so ending it here, I feel makes a lot of sense. And these movies take a long time to make anyways and all that stuff. So, um, yeah. They got. Yeah, a, they have a cohesive story that they want to follow, and if this is the end, this is the end. And like you said, if they want to continue with a different uh, character's point of view or something, that's cool as well. Yeah, it's not a lack of faith either. Like I'm not saying a fourth one will suck. I actually think it would be good. It's just why risk it? And you also brought up a good point that actually Tom Holland himself kind of echoed on Twitter. Uh, I think two days ago, basically saying like he's excited for Spider-Man Four. Uh, for in his in his you know universe, but he said like if we can't live up to the third one, I don't want to do it. Yeah, and that's the perfect way to think because No Way Home was the you know it was the pinnacle of what what it basically was Spider Man since two thousand two, so it's very difficult to live up to that, and you know it could end up being a you know considerably worse film because they couldn't live up to it and they didn't find themselves grasping onto a new story properly which is exactly what you said so i, I completely agree with that that was so that was very well put thank you um <laughs> anything else to say on the on this uh, note no not for now i'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about the upcoming spider-verse stuff when we get into the end of the, of the pod when we review across the spider-verse absolutely um so next one i have here they dropped the release date for ahsoka uh so it's going to begin releasing on august 23rd which i'm curious now is that a wednesday or friday that's July. That is. <laughs> uh, Wednesday. Okay, so, so it, 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 they are sticking with the Wednesdays. Okay. So Yeah, we will be seated. Absolutely. We'll, we're both very excited for the show, and uh, we, will have, we will review every episode on, the, on this podcast. So Absolutely. excited for that. Um, next one I have here is Good Omens. Uh, season 2 dropped the trailer and will release on July 28th on Prime Video. I don't think you've seen this show, right? No. Okay. So this is, this is like it's it's a funny and a weird show. I think I think it's based off a book, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but um, it's about like an angel and a demon. Um, the two main actors are Michael Sheen and David Tennant. Um, okay. And one of them plays an angel. One of them plays a demon. Uh, season one revolves around like the Antichrist, and they gotta they gotta try to find the Antichrist and and make sure he doesn't get into the wrong hands or whatever. So it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's a cool little concept, but it's very quirky and it's very, 
it's a lot of fun, I'll say. Um, so season one dropped, I think, in 20, 2018, 2019. So this is Not like been a while. It's been like four years. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah, I guess this season will revolve around John Hams, uh, who plays the angel Gabriel. Um, great name. Um, who <laughs> <laughs> who is like is losing his powers for some reason and they gotta like try to team up to together again and try to figure out what the hell is going on with that so um like i said this is just like a, a really fun quirky show and uh i'm excited to see what they do with the second season i'm not sure if there's any uh base material that they've based it on like in terms of like a second novel or something yeah. but uh but uh, interested to see what they they've come up with here nice yeah next captain america 4 renamed from Captain America New World Order to Captain America Brave New World. I think uh I've been hearing the whispers of this for a while so I don't I don't think this is entirely shocking. Remember I joked a couple of weeks ago that it was going to be World War Hulk. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think this is a pretty good name. What are your thoughts? It's a good name. I like the other name better though. Uh they're both good names. So like it's not like they went from a, a good name to an awful name. They went from a good name to a a solid name. Like a it's a downgrade, but it's still good. Uh, to be honest, I'm not. I'm not sure why they changed the name. It's not like they did like what Serpent Society did Civil War. Like you know what I mean? It wasn't like a like a complete change. They all basically just did like a like a soft reboot on the name. Uh, do you have you any ideas why they decided to change that during this phase of the uh, the filming process? Yeah, I think it's like a. I think the name New World Order has like a problematic meaning in okay, some yeah. in some cases. Um, I don't know if it's like for a specific minority or something, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know enough to be honest with you to to actually explain it. But I believe that's part of the reason why they probably wanted to change the name. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> um, they probably like I don't know. They probably just wanted to avoid that comparison or whatever. So uh, yeah. renamed it to to this, which, like you said, I think it's a fine title. Um, I think this movie is going to be awesome. So I really, I have no issues as long as it's good. It's fine. It, it could have been now that we're talking more about it. It could have been maybe worry of copyright infringement with the WWE because they had a faction called the new world order at the NWO. So maybe that's copyrighted at this point. No, I think they would have, well, they would have dealt with that when they, when and they that called, more public, called it originally. Right. Yeah. So I'm not sure exactly, but I think you might be more nailing the head on that. Maybe it is something more of an offensive. Yeah, it's like a uh, conspiracy theory with like a minority, some sort of exactly. pro propaganda shit. Or I, I, I don't really know enough to, to be able to actually explain it, but I believe it has something to do with that. And they probably just wanted to avoid any comparison to whatever the actual true meaning of it is. You know what I mean? So Yeah, no, yeah it's no big deal. I think this is still a good title. Yeah, and they also uh, they dropped a, a photo, I guess, when they announced this of uh, uh, Harrison Ford and uh, Anthony Mackie yeah. on set. So. Just chit-chatting. And you see, you get to see the new uh, cap suit. Yes. Which is not as nice as the one that was in Falcon Winter Soldier. That's, yes. You that's also see some ripped jeans. Ripped Harrison, jeans. Harrison Ford's. Uh, oh, he's so. cool now. <laughs> <laughs> well, he might, he might turn into a Hulk. Red Hulk? Oh, I don't know. I don't know how uh, Captain America would stop Red Hulk, but you know, 
We'll see. We'll see. Exactly. Um, I'm not sure if you saw these comments, but uh, Chris Hemworth, Hemsworth uh, talked about uh, Love and Thunder. Did you see that? I did. Uh, some of the comments were about him, like almost like being upset, right? About some some of the comments that some uh, directors were making. It was that real? Yeah, some of them were that. Uh, where he also was like... him saying like you know he enjoyed the process and stuff, and there was a few other things like it was it was very mixed bag on on how he felt from what I was gathering. Yeah, so he he talked about how his his friends' kids were like were like dissing on uh, on Love and Thunder. They said this one is too funny. The CGI is not good. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they were just dissing. And Chris Chris was like, you know, I I couldn't help but cringe and laugh at that. Like it was like, the, I have these eight year olds critiquing my films. <laughs> <laughs> which was made for eight-year-olds <laughs> yeah yeah no so it's pretty funny and then he kind of explained like you know it's kind of he, he said he probably agreed that it was too humorous like they had too much fun making this movie and he's like but it's it's kind of hard to tell while you're making it because you, you enjoy the process you enjoy you know how things are going and it's kind of hard to see how people are going to react until obviously they see the final product so no, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, as you mentioned at the first there, he he didn't mention about the Scorsese and the Tarantino comments about uh, uh, those, uh, the I Marvel movies and comic book movies in general. So. Yeah. I think it was mostly a joke on his part because I, I didn't watch the interview. I saw these as quotes on Twitter, but apparently he was chuckling. So I think he was oh, mostly okay. joking, joking around and just, just having a good time. Chris Hemsworth doesn't seem like a very serious guy where it's like he takes his, like he's going to be like, you know, defending his movie till the end of the days. You know, I, I think it's more like, you know, he's just having fun doing a good interview. You know, charismatic guy he is. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. And uh, listen, I'm sure whenever he's, you know, if they find, he, he's essentially said the same thing as every other Marvel actor, right? If they find a good story, he's willing to come back. So yeah, and um, he, they definitely will. And he will definitely be back. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, last one I have here, Andy Machete. Uh, reportedly set to direct Batman, the Brave and the Bold for the DCU. Now, Andy is the director of the Flash movie coming out in a couple weeks. So, You know, I haven't seen the Flash, obviously. It's not out yet. My thing is, if he can handle that film with that cast of alternate reality heroes, I think he can handle a Bat Family movie. So they must have faith in him. And I, I think that's a, probably a good choice if he did handle it well. So. This is one that I'm I'm looking forward to as a film, just because it's like we haven't really seen on the big screen like Robins and, and you know Nightwing mm-hmm. stuff like that. So in a while at least. So you know, yeah, uh, if he does a good job with uh, the uh, with the Flash, then uh, I welcome it for sure. And uh, James Gunn has obviously been praising the Flash for the movie it is. So um, not entirely shocking that he would well, uh, allow Andy uh, the keys to <laughs> to this movie. So for sure. Any other news items that you wanted to bring up, Stephen? Nothing off the top of my head. Okay, sounds good. So I didn't, I didn't write any like reviews for these two next things I'm going to mention, but I, I'll just do like a quick general review um, because because I, I have watched them over the past few weeks. Um, so the first one was Exo uh, Kitty, the uh, sequel series to the to all the boys movies. So I. I enjoyed this. Um, I thought it was like it was very jumpy at first and it, it took a while to get kind of settled into the show. Um, but uh, I thought it was very enjoyable. Um, it was very like adorable and it was set in Seoul, like in South Korea. So in terms of like representation and stuff like that, I'm not entirely sure uh, how accurate it is or like 
you know, like I, I, I've never been there. I, I don't live there, so I don't really know. Um, but I thought the, uh, you know, the characters were all enjoyable, likable. Um, I thought the relationships, the, what they did with that was pretty good. Um, I thought the way it was shot and the way the stories kind of blended together was all right. Like I said, a little choppy at first, but like once, once it really got settled in, uh, I thought it was really well done. Um, and, uh, a lot of representation in this show, which, uh, which was nice. So, uh, really enjoyable. I think this was, if I'm not mistaken, the first time that Netflix has done a spinoff off like an original piece of content. So interested to see like, if that continues in the future, there's obviously been talk of like potential, uh, stranger things spinoffs in the future as well. So, um, curious to see how that does, um. I think this show did decently well enough. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think it performed better than that 90s show. And that 90s show got renewed. So we left off on a little bit of a cliffhanger with uh, a bunch of storylines still yet to be uh, tied up together. So hopefully it gets renewed. And uh, yeah, like I said, thought it was enjoyable. I would recommend if you're into this type of show to watch it. Good. Yeah, they probably will do another season if there was cliffhangers at the end. And you said it was... Uh well received so yeah they're, pro- they're it's probably going to be announced sooner than later yeah yeah exactly they'll probably wait till at least like the 28 day mark from its release which it's yet to hit so no exactly um and the second one i watched was a uh hbo movie i'll say it's a it's based off a real story about a woman who was a whistleblower like in the 20 in 2017 around um, so she worked with like classified documents for the U.S. government, and she she was the she was the whistleblower about the Russian interference within the 2016 uh, election. Okay. Um, and so this was like essentially it was shot, you know, like an, an entire one shot, essentially, um, where like the woman got back from work, I'm going to assume um, she arrived in her car. The FBI is at her house. And like the rest of the movie is just that entire interaction and interrogation. Um, they kind of mixed in some like real life uh, like recordings from that as well. And it was kind of like, I, I just love the way this was shot. And I thought it was really, really intriguing. Um, and they really kept you kind of on your toes thinking like what's going on because they're, they're like questioning her about stuff like what did you do wrong what did you do wrong and so as the audience as you're watching it you're kind of you're kind of unsure what the hell she's being accused of at this point um for most of the film we'll say um so i thought it was like really well done really well acted really well shot and uh i would highly recommend it the name is i don't i don't think i mentioned it but the name is uh, reality um it's an hbo movie um i thought it was just really so well done and uh sydney sweeney who is one of the lead actresses on uh, euphoria uh was the main actress here and uh there was actually uh, uh the one of the secondary main actors who played a uh, an fbi agent uh, he was uh what was that uh, prick guy there on uh, the walking dead in What's the season? final season in the final season oh uh, lance lance yes hornsby the- yeah. That prick guy. That prick guy. You <laughs> knew exactly like, who I was talking about. As soon as I found the season, I knew. But there was so many pricks. I was like, in my head, I was like, the first one I went to was Gregory. I was like, that's Gregory. That guy's a prick. 
uh yeah but uh but no like it's super super well well done well executed uh, i could see why hbo purchased this because uh, it was really well done and just yeah no i can't even i can't even say enough like how well it was shot because like i was on my toes almost the entire like 120 minutes i think it was long so um really well done and uh, quite enjoyable yeah, it sounds very unique. And uh, if you're really, really into those, you know, thriller-esque, you know, mystery-like films, this, yeah, it sounds like this is definitely right up your alley. Absolutely. Anything else you wanted to mention or questions about those two quick reviews? No, I'm all good. I'm just, uh, I'm ready to get into the review of the Dying to Talk Spider-Man. Absolutely. So we'll take a quick break. And then when we return, we will be back with our review for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And we are back with our review of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Steven, are you ready? I am dying. So, yes, I am quite ready. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let me just read a quick synopsis of the film. Uh, After reuniting with Gwen Stacy, Brooklyn's full-time friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is catapulted across the multiverse where he encounters a team of Spider-People charged with protecting its very existence. However, when the heroes clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles finds himself pitted against the other spiders. He must soon redefine what it means to be a hero so he can save the people he loves most. Pretty good synopsis. That is. All right. So this movie begins with Gwen. Um, So we learn more about her and her world. Uh, Earth 65. We kind of get her origin story here. Um, uh, we find out that her Peter Parker uh, was the lizard and that he died while fighting her. We'll say not not at her hands like he was already. Well, he died with like a bunch of debris right falling on him. So, yes. Um, and uh, I just realized like we did we did give a spoiler warning, but this should go without saying. good call yes spoiler warning for spider-man across the spider-verse um sorry i just spoiled the the first five minutes of the movie um (laughs) so her dad who is um the captain of the police force blames the spider person for peter's death and has been trying to catch her for a while now um things get weird when a renaissance uh, vulture attacks her world uh and with that we get the introduction of spider woman and spider-man 2099 uh they team up to take out the vulture uh during the fight gwen runs out of webs um and towards the end of it gets confronted by her dad uh she decides to reveal her identity and her dad still wants to arrest her um, so being at a crossroads, uh, she obviously she gets an invite from Spider Woman and 2099, and she disappears into a portal. And opening credits roll, man! Like this was like such a cool way to open this movie. Yeah, like, I agree. The, it's first like 20, 30 minutes. Like we don't even see Miles. It's just with Spider Gwen. And like to me, like I love a late opening credits, but like I just, I just. I just enjoyed this so much. Yeah, I thought they handled it really well. And the thing is, it kind of sets up what you think is going to be essentially the plot. Like, I, for me, at least watching it, I thought, you know, uh, Gwen joined them. Oh, Miles is going to join them next. 
Like that's kind of the way I thought it was going to go. And you, you got a really good vibe of like how it works with uh, Jessica Drew's Spider Woman, and then of course uh, Miguel O'Hara's twenty ninety nine. They've they've they felt like Spider People. You know they were heroic, they were strong, and uh, you know there, there was some there was some humor there. They were playing well off each other, and uh, and I thought it was a really cool. And you also got a really good look at how and this was an early look that further gets expanded but about how the different dimensions look so unique yeah this renaissance vulture looked like he was made of parchment and even to gwen <laughs> in the movie she was like i want to stay away from the fire you know like you know making you know uh you know jokes with him and then of course when you know you compare uh gwen's universe to miles's which we'll get to in a second gwen's i don't know how to describe it there was like a color sh shifting thing to it yeah like whenever they were in the universe, it felt like the colors were always changing. I think it was almost like they were changing with the mood. Yes, that's. I was just about to say that. I think it shifts with like her mood. Um, so, so, so like I when she's really happy, it gets brighter, and then when she's she's obviously like very much depressed at the beginning of this movie. Yes, um, and in a very dark place because like she lost her best friend and her dad, who's probably the only person who she loves at this point, who's who's left in her life. Essentially, is just trying to. To hunt her down <laughs> yeah and she's also been unable to get back to miles because she doesn't have a way to try to tell uh, go through the multiverse Absolutely. at that point yeah. and uh, i just i really love the introduction of uh, of miguel and jessica here because their different spider styles really really show were shown off properly here you right. can you see it right off the bat that miguel doesn't have spider sense no. Uh, you also get a good look at his different types of abilities his webs are not organic or web-like they're actually energy He's got claws. They actually showed his fangs, which is something they never showed again in the film, which I kind of wish they did. But, you know, they showed off that he has his own unique set of powers. And same thing with uh, for Jessica. She, she actually shoots webs out of her fingertips, it looked like. Yeah. And such a badass. She's like eight months pregnant. And yeah. And she's on a motorcycle, motorcycle. villains. <laughs> I also love, I loved her design. I, a lot of people were like, oh, why isn't she hiding her face? The design was actually based off, I believe, the 2015-ish Jessica okay. Jessica Drew comic where she yes yeah, she just had goggles on and I thought it looked great and like I said like they had such great personality at the beginning and it actually kind of leads you to believe that they will be a specific way especially Miguel where he actually turns a little bit later on so we'll get more into that in a bit for sure for sure um so after this opening sequence uh we are now back with Miles on his world Earth uh, sixteen ten. Uh, 1610 sorry obviously we see him he's getting much better at the whole spider-man thing um did you do you remember how much of a time jump there is i thought it was like a year and a half or something like that i actually did they say because i i have no idea okay yeah i'm not i'm not sure i, I don't think, think they said maybe they mention it quickly when like gwen and and miles are like you know when they get reintroduced to each other but like uh i'm not it's been a little sure. while because he's i find miles looks significantly bigger yeah like he, he looks like he's at least like like a foot taller, and it feels like they haven't seen each other in a very long time. So you know, I'm gonna I, I think a year might be appropriate because you know, okay, he's grow he's getting older, but you know, yeah, I think about a year probably for sure. So uh, we get obviously introduced to the spot uh, who Miles thinks is just a silly character who is a villain of the week. Uh, we we find out later that is that is very much not the case. Uh, we get a a lot of really good, uh, funny, heartfelt moments with uh, Miles being Spider Man, with Miles and his family. Um, a lot of good like you know school stuff and uh, 
Um, I still I still can't get over that that hilarious moment when he brings the cake for his dad's oh my God. ceremony. <gasps> like we were both like laughing for I think the like five minutes after this joke happened. Like <laughs> so perfectly done, right? <laughs> it's like like I wrote this big message on the cake for you. <laughs> and it says I'm not proud. <laughs> And it was so perfectly shot. It was so quiet. Yeah. And it was just like, what are the odds? And it was almost a surprise because I wasn't expecting that. Right. So it, yeah. it almost caught me off guard. So, yeah, we were in the theaters legit like cackling. And I, I had to <laughs> literally think of something else because I was like, I'm going to get kicked out of this movie theater. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So that was so well done and so well executed, like you just said. Um, so, uh, Miles obviously gets grounded for this. Um, and that's when Gwen appears in his bedroom. Um, so we get re- reintroduced to their friendship and their relationship. Um, she is obviously here on a mission to keep an eye on the spot. Um, but instead of her watching <laughs> the spot, she ends up placing a spider droid on his tail and decides to spend time with uh, Miles instead. We get a lot of really, really good scenes um, here. Um, any thoughts on the, those scenes uh, of them together and uh, kind of they're reminiscing, obviously, of the the first film and uh, kind of both of them missing each other, essentially? Yeah, I thought it was really down to earth. Like, they're both basically vibing on the fact that they both have struggles as spider people. And, you know, I, I thought it was nice for Miles because I do believe that he still needed maybe a little bit of Peter's mentorship in yep. his Spider-Man time. Cause you could tell that the weight's maybe a little hard on him, even though he's not showing it fully. Uh, but you get, you definitely were seeing it with his parents. So, it, you know, especially when she showed up, cause he had just gotten grounded and uh, she basically showed up at, at just at the right time when he, he needed her. And I, I thought yeah. like, you know, they, when they were, I, I don't know what building it was, but they were s- sitting upside down and they were, you know, there was, some romantic tension there there was a lot of you know understanding of each other but you know after you watch the movie further you realize that there's actually some stuff there that actually is affecting gwen that is more so than what she's telling him so you know it it adds extra layer of depth to these deep conversations and i think they have insane chemistry yes Uh, she's very much she's very much torn on the whole what what miguel and uh, jessica drew have like explained to her like the whole canon thing yes later right exactly and at the time you don't know that so you're just thinking like there's just so much going on like she's so you know beaten down by by the loss of peter by her like the way she left her father like all these things that you assume that's what's on her mind but also you know there's a lot more to it so i I thought these scenes were great and it was a nice slowed down moment before basically the movie kicks into like hyperdrive Absolutely. So we get another really good scene with uh, Gwen meeting Miles' parents. Um, a really, really fantastic scene with Miles and his mom. Um, and uh, then Miles chases after Gwen, who he finds out is actually talking to these multiverse people. Um, we, we see the whole sequence where Gwen realizes she really screwed up and let the spot go. Um, and essentially begs Jessica Drew to give her another shot to take care of the spot and follow him into another universe. Um, and when she jumps into that universe, Miles jumps in after her. And as you're just noting, uh, the plot gets kicked into hy- hyperdrive. Madness so, plot. 
the spot though not to you know cut you off but man the spot at this early point in the film he is kind of a joke right like you know yeah. they, they, they're playing him off as you know goofy and silly like he's trying to steal an atm machine you know non-threatening even his powers like you could tell his powers could probably be extremely overpowered but like miles seemed to be handling him fairly well yeah. And I think I think that is actually what kicks this character's arc in is that like Miles is handling him well and you know yeah and so he, he wants to get more powerful yeah and and you know Miles is making him sound like a joke and you know it when you look at his origin story which is not Miles's fault but kind of is from a certain point of view you know you can kind of see why he would be so mad with with Spider-Man and I actually think that the way they did it was was genius uh, he, you know he's non-threatening but later on, he actually becomes probably one of the greatest threats you could imagine for Spider-Man. And I thought they had a really good idea using him uh, in this type of movie. No, for sure. Like like you said, he, like he's totally silly at the beginning. But he obviously, uh, through those jokes that Miles, you know, throws at him, um, obviously wants to become more powerful and wants to be taken seriously. And so becomes one of the biggest threats uh, of the multiverse, essentially. No, um, so uh, we are now in Spider-Man India's world, uh, Earth 5101. Uh, they land in Mumbatan, uh, where the spot is currently wrecking havoc. Uh, and uh, we get a lot of really, really good, like funny scenes again, like a lot of like, you know, the Chai Tea, TT stuff, oh, like that. a lot Love. of cultural jokes and, and stuff that it's just, it's so well thought out and executed that you're like, this is absolutely hilarious. And with the non bread too, the bread bread, like it's oh, it's yeah, just yeah. it's just so well done. Oh, I love chai tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Just, it was so well done, and you could definitely tell that like all Spider Men and Spider Women and Spider People at this point, they're they're knuckleheads. They make they crack jokes, and I thought that was really well done here with Spider Man India as well. Like he instantly became a favorite. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it didn't take long for him to become somebody you you fell in love with. For sure. And I, I forget, did we get introduced to Spider-Punk in this world? Yeah. he At, uh, at this point, right? Okay, yeah. He shows uh, up as kind of backup to, to Gwen, with Gwen? Yeah, he, he ends up showing up, to, and he blows up the uh, the force field to the collider okay. in this universe. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, um, and after all of this uh, kind of stuff, uh, Miles un- unknowingly disrupts a canon event. Uh, by saving Spider-Man India's girlfriend's father, who is a captain of the police force. Um, and after this event, we, we could kind of see the world begin to collapse on itself. Um, the crew of Spider-Man, Spider-People come in, try to contain it. And uh, Miles and Gwen are now being directed to Miguel O'Hara's Earth uh, 928 so they can face the consequences. Yeah, uh, you mentioned the Spider-Punk introduction. I thought this was actually like one of the better team up sequences in this film because you had the four of them uh gwen miles uh spider-punk and spider-man india trying to save uh, all these people from a building that had been blown up and falling and i thought it was just such a great moment of just sheer heroism and the four different art styles of these characters were kind of shown here like like spider-punk's art style is so unique and it just cl- it clashes with everything else but in a good way and I thought that, I thought this set of action sequences was was phenomenal. Just pure Spider-Man fun, swinging awesomeness, web slinging. I, I, it looked great, and uh, they they all have a unique style that I thought fit really well. Yeah, no, done really well, and uh, like you said, really great showing of heroism there, uh, teaming up together. So, 
Um, so once they arrive into uh, Miguel O'Hara's Earth uh, 928, Miles gets introduced to the whole spider lobby with all the spider people. Uh, we meet some pretty cool and interesting uh, spider people here. Um, a lot of really, really cool stuff. A lot of Easter eggs as well. Uh, there was a, I think there was, a, I saw, I, I like, I was just scrolling online and I was like, holy shit, all the shit I missed. Like, this is like so, gr- so great. So Miles gets introduced to Miguel O'Hara. Um, Peter B. Parker uh, gets uh, reintroduced into the film also. Uh, and we also find out he's now a father to Mayday Parker um, and takes his kid everywhere on missions not not that great of a dad i guess not really but she is she does have powers so <laughs> yes yes she, she handles herself yeah, but maybe i shouldn't have made you the web shooter he says oh boy like what <laughs> why'd you give the baby a web shooter <laughs> just hilarious just hilarious um so we we learned that miles is considered an anomaly um as the spider that bit him was meant for another world and essentially had he not been bit or had that spider not been released onto that world um the peter parker that was on his world would still be alive we also get introduced to the concept of canon events and how they vary for each spider person uh, a lot of really really cool uh sequences here we obviously get the a bunch of live action sequences and stuff like that um we we get the amazing spider-man scenes we get uh uh spider-man and spider-man 2 scenes i forget um but uh uh we get obviously to see toby and andrew again in live action we see uh the prowler played by uh i I forgot his name last time we talked about him yeah exactly no i'm sorry i I just keep blanking on his name for fuck's sakes um i keep thinking of community that's why that's exactly why (laughs) i keep thinking of troy and i'm like that's not his name (laughs) um but but yeah, uh, Miles actually realizes at this point that one of the canon events is a police captain close to Spider-Man has to die. Um, and this is kind of the moment where Miles decides that he cannot abide by the rules here set out by Spider-Man 2099. Uh, he doesn't like he doesn't accept that these things have to happen um, and decides to rebel against Spider-Man 2099 and the entire uh, group of spider people. Um, and tries to get back to his earth and go save his father. Um, so he fights off thousands of spider people to get uh, to the machine invented by the spider bite, another pretty cool character, um, to read his DNA and send him back to his earth. Um, in the meantime, uh, Gwen essentially gets banished back to her world for her involvement in the events that transpired. Um while there, like we get a really, really great moment with her dad. And like we were talking earlier about like how the, the things like change, the colors change yes. with like her mood. And this is like when when she, when he says like, no, I quit the force or whatever. Or I, I forget if he stepped down as captain or quit the force, but I think uh, he quit. OK, so like when he quit the force and then says, like, can I still get a like, can I still have a hug or whatever? And like before he even finishes her his sentence, she is like already in his arms, um, and like you see the whole coloring behind and all that. I just like that scene was so well done. Oh, genius! Um, brilliantly done. So, um, I really enjoyed that. And then her dad kind of casually tells her that a weird person left something behind for her. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, Spider Punk, I guess, left a 
Did he leave his multiverse jumping bracelet? No, actually, what happened is there was a sequence where they were walking through Miguel's base. Okay. And Hobby was Hobby, who Spider Punk was talking yep. to Miles and stealing things off the walls and stuff. Okay. Uh, okay. He built the bracelet for her, and he actually, when he said, "Oh, screw it, I quit," he threw his bracelet off, so he doesn't have a spider people bracelet okay. anymore. Okay. Okay. I guess maybe they could be tracked. I'm not sure, but yeah, he made his own. So, and I'm assuming he made his own for himself as well. As Interesting. We might see him later. <laughs> yeah. Well, he he gets collected at the end, doesn't he? He does. That's why. So I'm assuming, you know, okay. I think he made his own as well. Because, okay. And the re what's cool is you can see when she uses his bracelet, the portal looks like his art style. Yes. I noticed yes, that okay. in my second viewing, uh, I noticed like the portal didn't have that like futuristic orange anymore. It was like multicolored and it looked like paper a little bit on the edges. It was really, really, really neat. And uh, I, I love that. And, you know, I want to talk more about Spider-Punk near the end because uh, he, he stole this, a lot of scenes for me. Okay. Sounds good. Um, so she immediately uses that uh, jumping bracelet to uh, jump to Miles Earth 1610 to go help him. Um, and I thought, like, I thought this ending sequence was really well done. Uh, so Miles reveals once he makes it back to his mom that he is Spider-Man. And uh, we get a whole scene. Like, it took me a while into this scene to figure out what the hell was going on. Like, I was taken by, by surprise here. I'm not sure if you kind of knew what was going on, but but I was taken com by complete surprise until until at least like a little bit into the and maybe even when Gwen like sh said like shit he's in the wrong universe. <laughs> yeah, like it, it took me no it idea. took me that long to figure it out. <laughs> like even with his mom being like who's Spider-Man? I was like kind of a little confused. I was like doesn't yeah, she I thought it was just like a mom thing being like, you know, not knowing who the the heroes are or shit like that like Yes, but upon rewatching it she talked about Spider-Man earlier in the movie. So that's okay. why I was like, "Oh, okay." So they even talk about him in the first movie uh, when on the the newscast on TV where they're saying, oh, Peter Parker has died. He was Spider-Man. Uh, his yeah. dad and his mom are watching TV. So she did know. And that's why it didn't click in my head. So it took for me, at least. Yes. It, I, I think when I saw Uncle Aaron, okay. I, think I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> because in that point, he also realizes he's like, oh, I'm not in the right universe. No, so, for sure. For sure. So, yeah, uh, yeah really well done. Um, he obviously finds out he's in the wrong universe. He's he's actually been sent to Earth 42, uh, the universe that the spider that bit him was supposed to go to. Uh, this universe is one without Spider-Man. Uh, Uncle Aaron is alive. Uh, his dad is dead. And Miles is the Prowler. Uh, he gets captured by his alternate self um, as it, and is essentially trapped there. Um Gwen is out assembling a crew to go save Miles. Essentially, the whole crew from the first film is uh, uh, yeah, with her. With uh, I believe, I believe, I don't know. I think Spider Man India is there. Uh, India, Punk, Spider Punk, and, and Spider Bite. Spider yeah, all three of them are joining as well. And they were all the characters in this film that seemed like they were on Miles' side. So yeah. it made sense. Uh, one thing that's really cool here too for me is. Uh, she doesn't know that he's been captured by an alternate version of himself. She just no. thinks that 2099 is after him. So that's, or 2099 his, his, well, his 
So that's interesting. She, she knows she's in the wrong universe. But yes. She, but she doesn't, she doesn't know where it is, he is, essentially. Exactly. She doesn't realize his circumstance. So she's just, you know, doing Spider-Man things. And I love the fact that we didn't actually see Spider-Ham and Spider-Man War in this film. Yeah. Because I like that they weren't forced into, you know, picking sides or, you know, doing things. I thought the fact that in the moments where Miles was feeling betrayed, it was just Gwen... And Peter B. Parker, because I think it added a little bit more of a, of a, a depth to it, because those were probably the two people who he was closest to in the first film. And, and I love that we're basically confirmed that we're going to be seeing Nick Cage back as as Noir and uh, forgot the actor's name, but returning as Spider-Ham for uh, Beyond. Absolutely. So movie ends here. Cliffhanger end. I think it's just another fantastic Spider-Verse movie and definitely worth the uh, five year wait. Oh, absolutely. I I went into this with all the faith in the world and I left with feeling like I should have had faith. So I, I love that. Absolutely. Now, uh, any particular main highlights you wanted to talk about or just things that you, you would want to go more in depth about? Yeah, so I, I like I mentioned it a little bit there while we were going through the movie, but I think like Gwen's story and her arc in this film is absolutely fantastic with, with her father um, and with Miles as well. Although... Her arc with Miles is yet to be concluded um, because uh, Miles obviously feels betrayed in the end by everyone, uh, by, <laughs> yeah, by Peter B. Parker, by Gwen, uh, because uh, they've essentially been keeping this a secret from him. Right. And uh, he just he obviously feels betrayed by that. So um, so there's obviously a bit of redemption left there for that story. But I, I thought Gwen's story in this film was absolutely fantastic. Um, I really, really enjoyed Miles' family uh, and, like, that entire storyline. I thought that was really great. Um, and, like, in a film about the multiverse, how do you ground things, right? Like, like the stakes are world-ending. So how do you ground things? It's essentially a story about Miles trying to save his father. Right. Yeah. And so that, that's how you make it grounded. That's how you make people care about it. And they've made a really, really great film and story out of this. How about you? No, I agree. Uh, I loved the dynamic between it's almost like a different parenting style or a different even like personality between his mom and his dad. And, and I, I thought his dad was absolutely hilarious in this film. And, and I, you know, there was like this one sequence where, where he, uh, Spider-Man is talking to his father. Yeah. And it was just, it was so charming and you know, it had me like chuckling in the theater. And, you know, I just, I just loved like that his dad felt very human. He didn't just feel like, a, oh, I'm going to be police captain. You know, I'm just a typical cop. You know, like there was, there was a lot of depth to that character about how he feels like a screw up and, you know, uh, you know, he's worried about his son. And I, I just loved it. I thought that was so well done in that part. Um, yeah. It's like he was, he was confiding into Spider-Man about, you know, things that were going on at home and. And how he was struggling and trying to figure out, you know, what was the right thing to do. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. This the star of this film for me, and you know, not to put down Gwen and Miles, who kind of felt like co-leads. I thought they both did their job perfectly. Uh, to me, it was it was Spider Man twenty ninety nine. I, I think he was absolutely <laughs> special. And you know, he starts off the movie feels like Spider Man. He's trying to be a hero. You know, he's pretty down to earth. He, you know, he's a little bit more serious, but you know, it's fine. And even when Miles first meets him, he's still like he's he's clearly frustrated, but he's still Spider-Man, you know, like he's still 
you know, pretty calm, reasonable, you know, like Miles, I'm sorry, kind of thing. Like, yeah, this is unfortunately what has to happen. You're going to have to stay here. Like, that just is is what has to happen. And it's just, you see that his character has been so broken down from his own mistakes that as soon as Miles basically says that's not happening, like, it's like a he, he turns on a switch and he gets frustrated, angry, almost becoming a villain at this point. Like, yeah. And I thought it was so nice that they actually kind of showed that he wasn't just this villain and this broken character from the no. start. You saw the old Miguel O'Hara in there. And I also like that they showed us why he's broken because, you know, he went and into some other versions of himself's universe and actually destroyed that universe, which I believe if I understood correctly, was Peter B. Parker's universe, original universe. Is that, is that understandable or is that, is that not, not what happened? Well, I mean, Peter B. Parker's. I don't know, like because I, you, because he said like, right, Peter and Peter B. Parker was the Spider-Man of that universe. So I, I don't know, maybe if they destroyed like a neighborhood, I, I, they didn't quite go into exactly yeah. what happened, but you I, definitely see that Miguel caused something with canon events to basically destroy universe, and his child in that universe actually was, you know, killed. I guess the proper term would be, and you know, you, he's living with that mistake every day and i think he's kind of projecting onto these other characters you know his mistake almost like you can't make that mistake i did it already like don't be like me but he's doing it the wrong way and uh i just loved how oscar isaac played this character okay. and uh, i i think you know what's cool too is you really when you look at him and miles they're both both their aspects and both of their standpoints are very understandable I didn't feel like either of them was being unreasonable in the sense of justice and, and being a hero. I thought they both had good points. And I think that's why it makes sense that some Spider-Men and Spider-Women, Spider-People were were like, yeah, yeah, Miles, you're right. And some were like, you know what, like Miguel's right. Let's stop him. So, you know, I thought that was a really well done, you know, story with those two characters. Yeah. No, I agree. I, don't I agree. Same, but. Yeah, no, I thought I, I really enjoyed Miguel um, and uh, I really enjoyed like a lot of additions in this movie. We've mentioned like Spider-Man India, Spider-Punk, spider, spider, Punk, uh, spider Bite as well. And uh, another highlight for me was uh, Ben Riley, And I thought the casting oh of Andy Samberg was absolutely brilliant. He was um, more like an Easter egg at that point. Like he was very, very like like cameo. But like I thought he was so well done. Art style is great, too, by the way. Very almost like realistic, overly detailed. I loved it. Yeah, no, but, I agree. I agree. Um, so we also got some uh, a lot of uh, live action sequences in this. Uh, Donald Glover's uh, Prowler. Can we assume this is from the MCU? I would say yes, mostly just because we've seen this character before, and he yeah. mentions he's got a nephew in uh, Homecoming. I actually think that's a fair assessment. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see him again though, uh, or if that was like an Easter egg. Uh, to me, I, I go either way with it. I love, I like him as an actor. So if they do bring him back, cool. If they don't. Cool. It was a funny story. Yeah. If if we see him again, I think it's going to be like a, a post-Secret Wars. It would be like a Spider-Man 5, a Spider-Man 6. With um, With the introduction of Miles in yeah, the 100%. MCU. Um, we also saw the uh, the Venomverse, um, which I had, like, I've, ne I've never seen the Venom movie, so I had no idea. You had yeah. to tell me what it was. It was, um, it was nothing special, but it was, it was neat. You know, it's Sony using their assets right and yeah. i thought it was neat i would have it would have been cooler if it was tom hardy but yeah. they didn't uh, want to show morbius yeah thank you <laughs> <doing that. laughs> 
Oh, God. Yeah. And then uh, there was the, the Tasm scenes and Raimi scenes that... Uh, they were basically just stolen from the movie, too. Right? Exactly. They were just like playing a scene from the film. So Yeah. There was cool. a lot of Easter eggs, like almost too many to even talk about, like like dozens and dozens. And it's the more I watch, you know, TikToks, whatever, I'm finding new ones. And it's uh, it's going to take probably years before people are like, I could name every Spider-Man in that scene because there are so many of them. Uh, sure. I, actually, I actually do have one complaint with the movie. Uh, sure. It's not a big one, but it's me almost being nitpicky. Is I didn't I don't think they handled the music as well as they did in Into the Spider Verse. Into the Spider Verse gave us, I believe, like three or four iconic songs. Yeah, they're they're not as memorable. I thought it was enjoyable, but I I would agree yeah. they're not as like there was no uh, what was that? Uh, you know, What's up, danger? And uh, yeah, the other one there, the song that Sunflower uh, was one of them. Sunflower, uh, yeah. I'm not scared was another one that I really liked. Like those three songs to me are iconic and like synonymous with that film. And when I look at cross the spider verse, I, I, I don't think they did the music quite as well. Did they, it was that a choice probably, but you know, uh, it was something about the first film that I thought gave it a little more character that, okay. that was lacking here. And that, that, that's more of a nitpick than a complaint. Cause it's like, Oh, the, not the movie sucked with no music, mm-hmm. you know? I wish we could have gotten some more because Metro Boomin did a whole album, right? They could have used a few of those songs. I, yeah. I think. Yep. No, yeah. I uh, I've I've been enjoying a couple of the songs too from uh, from the. Oh, it's great. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, no. Um, and I think the mixing was really well done. I I I don't know the name, but there was a TikToker that like pointed out some some mixing there, and I saw it online. So I'm just gonna mention it briefly here. Yeah, sure. Um, but uh, at certain points, there's like there's obviously there's Miles theme, there's Gwen's theme, and there's Spider Punk's theme. Yeah. Um and. Like when when Miles and Gwen teams up, there's like there's like an iteration of like those two themes kind of mixed together. Yeah, um, that's really well done. And then the the theme this is the theme that they play at the end when they show Gwen teaming up with all the Spider People. Um, and it's it's like a mix of Miles' theme, Gwen's theme, and Spider Punk's theme. And it's like it's really like you know what I mean? Like it's really like yeah. up, upbeat and punky and like. Yeah, yeah. I, I just thought like the mixing was really, really real, really well done. Um, yeah, but sure. but I would agree with your assessment that there there are no like extremely memorable uh, songs. It's, it's it's the sound yeah. design was perfect. It was yeah. the songs, and you're mentioning the themes. 2099's theme is up there with Prowler's theme from the first film for me as like one of the coolest themes in film. Like it was like almost eerie even when he was in it like they first played it when he first showed up at the beginning and i was like this is like scary almost and he was still a hero at that point so you know i, I just thought the sound was like and like there was so many cool different audios like with the sound of them teleporting like the sound, you know yeah. what i mean yeah like it's, it sounded so good like it, it was the songs i'm referring to more than sound design that's no, that's, not that's fair that's fair um, let's talk about a couple uh, bigger, uh, bigger world things now. Um, yeah. So, canon events in this world, I would assume they're kind of like nexus events or absolute points. That's exactly what they are. To do. So, yeah. um, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, obviously, just using a different name, but uh, completely understandable if it's like different people in different universes, kind of naming shit. Yeah. Well, canon is actually the term you would use for something that happens in a comic book or book or film story that is, it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Like. So that's it's like very common in Star Wars right now because the old Legends books are not considered canon anymore, but the sequel trilogy is canon. So that's just you know an example for sure. Um, we also see a timeline 
as kind of splitting off that is very similar to what was shown to us in Loki. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool how they stayed consistent there. I agree. And uh, they couldn't connect at some point, right? So it makes sense to try and keep it consistent throughout Marvel. Absolutely. Um, and now I'm going to pose a question to you. Is, yes. uh, is Miguel O'Hara right? Oof. Okay. Um, I'm going to say yes, from his point of view. And from the point of view of being a hero, uh, I think I would agree with him. But Miles is also right. Yeah. In the fact that he needs to save everyone. He can't sacrifice someone. Yes, it's his dad, so that adds extra extra layers. And I think that is another reason why there is a like a clear choice on Miles' part. But yeah. I don't think most, a lot of spider people would be like, yeah, that person can die to save the others. I think it's an experience thing. I think that's another thing with Miles too. He's such a rookie Spider-Man. Like he, you know, Miguel's an older Spider-Man. Like he's been through it all. And even like Peter B. Parker, he's like, you know, he was also was kind of like, you know, man, like this happens. Yeah. They've been through it. They they've seen like I might have to make a sacrifice for the greater good. But you know, Miles, Gwen, you know, Hobby, even Spider-Man India, these are characters who are clearly against that at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. They're young. They might not know as 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 much, right? So uh, it's tough. Do you think he's right? Like, do you think Miguel was being unreasonable in this film, or do you think his point of view is making sense as a spider? I think it's kind of making sense in the way that, like, if if he were in this case, like he who remains, who is yes. trying, who is trying to keep the the timeline like intact, um, but like Miles still has a right to go and try and save his dad. I agree. You know what I mean? Like, like to just banish him here to like, so that he doesn't, and I get it. They're banishing him because he's considered an an anomaly. Right. Um, Yes. And so like they, they feel like miles is more capable of changing these canon events than other people. Uh, So that's why they're trying to banish him. But, but still like, like I, I completely understand both sides, but um, I'm not sure Miguel is right here. No. Um, And, he was being very reasonable too. Like, so, you know, at first I found him very reasonable with it. He wasn't instantly t- ch- chaining Miles up and, you know, putting him in jail. Like, he, he, at first he was just trying to reason with him, explain it to him. You know, he was actually being fairly, you know, diligent with, like, you know, this is a problem. Like, we need you to understand. And then it's when Miles starts basically negating, you know, like fighting back is when things went south. But, you know, they could have handled that a lot better. <laughs> Yes, and you know when people get desperate, obviously things get muddy. And, yes, uh, it's a little bit more murky out there. We'll just say that. So now, um, what do you think is going to happen in Beyond? Um, so obviously, Gwen is teaming up with a bunch of uh, Spider People, as we mentioned at the end. Um, she's going to save Miles. Like it's unclear to me if she knows where Miles is right now. I guess maybe we need to like maybe they need to figure that out. Um, also, the other thing that I was kind of uh, I kind of noticed uh, briefly there at the end, uh, Miles is obviously captured by the Prowler Mar- Miles, but I think he's getting like like he was getting ready to like try to shock the the chains loose or something like that, right? Uh, yeah, if I'm not like mistaken. Looked, yeah, like like it looked like he knew what to do to escape. It's just like you said, I, I don't know how they're going to find him. Yeah. Maybe Spider-Bite would know because she was there when he disappeared. No, that's true. And she she kind of had a look at the universe and said, 
and like let him go, right? She had the opportunity to stop him. She did, and she chose not to. That's another thing. So, yeah, you know, that might be a good, good. Like they might honestly be able to get him pretty early in this film. Mm-hmm. And there's obviously like like that universe is fucking. <laughs> it's a nightmare. No, um, it's it's just it's just villain infested. And what was the uh there was a thing too about the Sinister Six, right? Oh, it's the Sinister Six it was Syndicate. Mafia. Yeah, or Mafia. They're yeah. basically just Sinister Six villains. But like you see in the distance, you saw like buildings on fire and stuff. Like it, yeah. it's just absolutely trash. It's a bad place. <laughs> it's a trash dimension. So yeah, I don't actually think like in the next one, I don't think they're gonna be he's gonna be there long. Like I I, w- I wouldn't be shocked if he's saved within the first 15, 20 minutes of the movie. Okay, and obviously the the, the thing that's going to happen next is is he's going to want to go save his dad. But I'm you just would... curious, like in with a title of like Beyond the Spider Verse, I'm just curious where they go with that. Like, like do they have struggle? Like, do they struggle jumping through multiverses because Miguel O'Hara tries to like sabotage their jumping and shit? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like... there's going to be something like some sort of like something in their way because like the plot's kind of simple right just stop the spot from killing his father for sure but that might also be half of it right maybe he'll stop the spot from killing his father halfway through the movie but then that'll cause you know a ripple effect of the spider-verse and then maybe all the spider people have to save the spider-verse all the villains are getting into the reality stuff like that like we don't know right because i don't think it's just going to end with oh well peter or not peter um yeah well peter helped you know Miles stopped the spot and now everything's fine. They're all dandy. Miguel forgives them. I like I think something's gonna happen there. For sure. Because so, there's there's two sides of this too. Like like Miguel wants the canon event to happen. Like he but wanted to, yeah. He's also like he's also trying to stop the spot here. Like yeah, the spot yeah. is causing havoc throughout the multiverse and specifically the spider-verse. Um, but like he's trying to stop that from happening. So there's like <laughs> like both things kind of don't agree with each other at, at points right so yeah it's a bit tough like I, I i don't know if i'm expecting miguel to be the main antagonist in the next film other than the spot again like i, I don't think if we're okay. going to go into this movie like oh you know miguel is a bad guy or if it's like oh he's quickly going to become a good guy again in this film like I, i'm assuming they're going to go with the antagonist role for the first bit because while well, he's against miles but like I said, they might actually settle that that cliffhanger pretty quick. So it could completely change how we look at this next film. Yeah, no. It would just um, be really more of the same, right? If they kept going with, oh, Miguel's against him. Like, I just sure. don't want to do that too much. Like, eventually it might just be like, okay, well, we get it, you know? But we'll see. Like, uh, I really don't know. Like, this next week, that's the thing, too, with this cliffhanger. It's kind of left me with more questions than I uh, initially thought. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any issues with the cliffhanger? I know a lot of people have uh, taken issue with it or... No, um, I, yeah. I don't think it's uh, I think I, I told you this after we watched the movie, but I don't think it's as definite in ending as, let's say, Infinity War yep. um, was. But uh, I thought it was well done. Like, I like it. Like, it didn't upset me at all. Like, I was if I was upset in any way, it was more like I wish this movie was longer. I was having so much fun. But like, OK. I didn't see myself looking at this like, what a shitty cliffhanger. Like, this is stupid. I actually saw myself like, you know what? This is creative. It, it leaves us with a lot of questions. It's it's going to bring people into the theater, right? So I, I think that was well done. And we're not expected to wait long for the next one. Delay is probably going to happen. That's just how life works. But like, they're not going to make us wait six years for this next one. So it's not like we're going to be sitting on this cliffhanger too long. 
Uh, sure. I, thought, I thought it was done tastefully. Like you said, it wasn't as book ended as much as Infinity War, but I still feel like I'm comfortable waiting. But I need to watch Beyond because this is it's not clean as an ending. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and uh, I thought like one one cool detail I just want to mention um, that I kind of noticed uh, like looking into other people's reviews is that uh, in the first movie. Um, you know how the spider is obviously from a different dimension. Um, yep. That spider is glitchy in the first yeah, film. I, noticed so that. I thought that's such a cool detail because you wouldn't know you wouldn't know it like unless you really like looked at it. You know what I mean? Because obviously the other spider people, when they show up in Miles Universe, they're, they're all glitchy. glitchy. So but it's 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 just not something that you would like. Like, oh, is that you? like it's not something that clued into me. Oh, is no. that spider from a different dimension? No, I just thought it was like a, a fucking radioactive spider or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I'm like, sure there's somebody out there though that realized. Like, I'm sure there yeah. is a few people that were like, you know what? That it's probably a theory or something. Yeah, and and you know, kudos to those people. But I never thought that once. I like you said, I thought it was just like this completely biologically enhanced spider. So I was like, oh, well, it's glitching. You know, it's a spider that's going to turn somebody into Spider Man. Like, I I didn't think anything <laughs> of it. It has the number forty two on it. I was like, okay, this is not a normal spider. Yeah, but it makes perfect sense, and that's one thing that actually made uh, across the Spider Verse even better. It did a lot of you know callbacks to the first film without ruining the first film. Like some films will like it feels like they retcon things almost. Like oh, mm-hmm. that actually wasn't supposed to happen. You know, he was supposed to live, but when you actually watch into the Spider Verse, like it looked like Peter was supposed to die there. You know what I mean? Like so, you know, I, I think they, uh, you know, I think they did it well, where it, it made the first film feel important without discrediting it. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, another thing that I guess uh, were common complaints um, were uh, the was the sound mixing or whatever, and people having a hard time hearing what people were saying. Um, I I didn't really notice it in our theater. Did you notice any of that? Like, not really. Um, I could see what people mean though. Like, just some sequences of music was a little loud. Yeah. Like, but no, I I didn't see a problem with it. Could have been a little cleaner, of course, but it's also like it's a movie theater. Like I, I don't expect perfect sound at a movie theater, at least for us with our small theater in in our in our town. Yeah. But you know, uh, I didn't have a problem with it. I, I thought it sounded great. Okay, agreed. Did you have anything else you wanted to bring up before we uh, give a score to this uh, to this film? Not really, man. It, it, there's just a lot to talk about. Like it's such a long movie that it's like it's difficult. It's almost like I would have to like own it to be able to like like wa- like have watched it four or five times to really be able to like talk about every single interesting aspect because this movie was non-stop every sure. if, like, every scene mattered so yeah it's it's hard to get into but for now i think we've nailed most of the stuff i really wanted to get into agreed agreed so uh uh did you want to go first with uh your uh your, uh, your score i'll let you go first okay uh, i'm just i'm still thinking <laughs> fair enough so i obviously really enjoyed this movie um i thought while the music wasn't as iconic as the first film um, it was still very, very enjoyable. Um, and yeah, representation wise, I thought this movie was outstanding, uh, as was the first one. Um, and maybe because there wasn't as much a definite end as the first film, um, I would I would rank it like just to say below into the Spider-Verse, um, but um, still a very good movie. And it, it's probably like Into the Spider-Verse is my favorite Spider-Man movie. Um, this is probably like number two, like, let's be honest. Um, and I would probably give it a four and a half out of five. So nice. I, I think, yeah, I, I think I share the exact same sentiment. I think the first film was better. 
I think it's a lot closer than you, you know, I really initially thought. Like, I think it's yeah. like very, very close. Like just, just p- picking apples and oranges, right? It's, it's absolutely little things I like more in the first one that just kind of pushed over. Like I said, like the music, a little more grounded, the definite end, uh, the fact that it is the first one, like there was just something special about it. Right. But no, I, I think a 4.5 out of five is, is where I would also land it. Uh, I don't know where I would rank them in my Spider-Man movies though. Like it depends, but to me, like they're, these films are both almost perfect. Like, if, like I said earlier in the, um, in the pod, if they nail the third one, this is a perfect trilogy. Yeah. Like, and I think they will nail the third one because it's clear they had this all planned. So it's like, you know, they know where they're going and, uh, I'm just excited. Like, you know, uh, there was also like maybe in this one a little bit less emotion because like I found the first one, like, you know, Spider-Man dies. Uh, then Uncle Aaron dies. Like, I-, I thought that one, you know, they were kind of tugging the heartstrings a little more in that one. I, I yeah. found in this one there might not have been as much of that, but there was also a little bit more of like those big stakes that you kind of like almost make you anxious. So, you know, again, apples and oranges, they're both incredible. I- I'll do a 4.5 as well. Okay, sounds good. And in terms of like the tugging at the heartstrings, like you're saying, I think we'll we'll probably get some of that in Beyond. Oh, definitely. I actually yeah. like if I had to predict off the top of my head, like a few of the main Spider people are probably gonna die. Yeah, I'm 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 looking at Miguel right away. No offense to Miguel, like twenty ninety nine is gonna probably get fucking <laughs> needs to start hitting the gym because. Uh... Yeah, I think just yeah, I, I just think that would be the the greatest redemption for him is like. You know, he, he's a Spider-Man and, you know, he saves the, the multiverse and, you know. For sure. That's kind of like his mission, right? So that would yeah. be a pretty cool way to go, for sure. for sure. And I also think, his, I do think Miles' dad might die. I, I think they... I'm it, I'm leaning that way as well. Like, I think, but I think it's going to happen either way. Like, I, I think he's going to try and save him, but he won't be able to. So we'll see. I'm uh, Other than that, like, I have no idea where this is going. So, you know, we're going to definitely get a satisfying end. I feel like it's going to feel more like a part two than a sequel and that's what it originally was so you know that's what it's going to be for sure anything else you wanted to bring up before we wrap up here no i think i'm good i think we uh, we've touched base on all the important aspects i wanted to all right so that brings us to the end of this episode of the movie multiverse podcast next week steven and i will have our review for transformers rise of the beasts so looking forward to seeing that one and uh thanks for listening have a good week everyone That'll do it for this episode of the Movie Multiverse Podcast. If you like this episode, feel free to leave a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. You can also follow us on Twitter at MovieMultipod. You can follow Steven at YourUncleSteven. And you can follow me at Gab underscore Chartier. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.